to me, I don't want to relitigate 2020. A Republican candidate hoping to win Pennsylvania's open U.S. Senate seat in 2022 said he did not want to rehash the 2020 election results when he announced his campaign earlier this month. We did everything we could. We fought our hearts out. And at the end of the day, Joe Biden's sitting in the White House. But just last week, Sean Parnell said he backed a forensic audit of the 2020 results. We'll also look at a bill in the State House that would make it easier to revitalize main streets in the Commonwealth and a slate of bills from Democrats they say will increase accountability for the natural gas industry. It's Friday, May 28th, and this is Pittsburgh Explainer. I'm your host, Liz Reed. WESA editor Lucy Perkins reported on the latest in the U.S. Senate race this week and joins me now. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Liz. So we heard a clip of what Parnell said when he launched his campaign earlier this month, but he has since said otherwise, right? Yes, he has since said otherwise. In a recent episode of Bannon's War Room, which is uh, Steve, one of Steve Bannon's endeavors, it's a podcast that he does, Bannon asked Parnell if he supported a forensic audit of the 2020 election in Pennsylvania, which is kind of what we're seeing in some other states like Arizona. Um, for people who aren't familiar, there are some small groups who don't believe the results of the 2020 election and have called for officials in the state to basically recount the ballots again. Um, And that activity has been criticized by even some Republican officials who say that there's no legitimate reason to do an audit. So that's the backstory. But anyways, Bannon asked Parnell if he supported a forensic audit in Pennsylvania. And Parnell said yes. He said he backs an audit of every election to ensure that all Americans trust election results. He said that he would have supported it after Trump won in 2016 and would also support one for Biden. What did the campaign say when you asked about these latest comments? Well, a spokesperson for his campaign said that supporting an audit and relitigating the 2020 election are two different things. But he didn't really say how they were different And he also didn't say whether Parnell thinks Americans should trust the results of the 2020 presidential election last fall. Suggesting that there should be an audit might lead one to believe that that he believes Americans shouldn't trust it. But he he didn't go so far to say that. Right. He didn't go so far to say that. But if you're asking for, you know, an audit of an election, it means that you'd like the results to be looked at more closely or at least be reviewed. And when you're reviewing results from a past election, you know, I think a lot of people would argue that that is relitigating it. That's rehashing what what happened. Parnell really modeled himself as a Trump-like candidate when he ran for Congress last year against Connor Lamb. What has he said about election security in the past? Yeah, so Parnell is a very Trump-like candidate. Um, as listeners might remember, President Trump announced that Parnell was running for Congress against Connor Lamb um, on a, a visit that the president took to Pittsburgh in 2019. Parnell appeared at a bunch of events with uh, Vice President Pence and Trump when when they were both campaigning here last fall. So they are very closely tied in that way. Um, but you know, even as late as the day that Parnell announced he was running for Senate, which was earlier this month, May 2021, he was still fundraising for an election defense fund on his congressional campaign's website. Um, so there is that. He he also joined another Trump ally last year, uh, Republican Congressman Mike Kelly, 
in a lawsuit that attempted to toss out all the mail-in ballots that were cast in the 2020 election. And the main argument of that case had to do with Act 77, um, which, of course, is the 2019 state law that allowed any registered voter to cast a ballot by mail. Then, and Parnell, you know, will say this even today, he argues that that law should have been a constitutional amendment that voters weighed in on, not passed by the legislature. Um, Even though I will note that the law was passed with a lot of Republican support because they control and still control both chambers of the state house. Thanks for your reporting, Lucy. Thank you. We'll be right back after a quick break. 90.5 WESA would like to thank you, our listeners. The WESA Newsroom was named the 2021 Regional Edward R. Murrow Award winner for overall excellence in large market radio. And we couldn't have done it without your support of our fact-based journalism. 90.5 WESA, stay connected. Now to Harrisburg, where Democratic state senators are pushing efforts to increase accountability for natural gas companies. State Impact's Rachel McDevitt is here to talk about it. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Liz. What do the bills they are proposing say? So there are eight pieces of legislation in this package. They would give the attorney general more authority to prosecute cases against drilling companies. Right now, the office can only get involved if another agency refers the case to it. But with these proposals, citizens could report environmental crimes directly to the AG. Other bills would increase the distance. Gas wells have to be set back from homes and water sources. Right now, it's 500 feet. One bill would change that to 2,500 feet for homes and 5,000 feet for schools and hospitals. And there are other measures for ramped up air and water quality monitoring and to require disclosure of chemicals used in fracking. What prompted these proposals? Last June, the Attorney General Josh Shapiro released a report from an investigative grand jury that found state regulators failed to protect the public from the health impacts of fracking, especially in the early days of the boom over a decade ago. That report took two years and collected testimony from people who lived near fracking sites who complained of dead livestock, nausea, headaches, nosebleeds. There were reports of water contamination, excessive dust and noise during the construction periods. And the report said the Department of Environmental Protection just wasn't prepared to deal with the industry. Now, DEP criticized that report as basically being out of date. You know, uh, regulations have been updated since then. But Shapiro still says the current standards aren't good enough. Now, the legislature is controlled by Republicans. How are they reacting? And is there any chance that this package will go anywhere? Yeah, the sponsors of these bills are a group of senators who represent areas of southeastern Pennsylvania, um, all Democrats. Um, They say there's momentum behind these measures because of last year's grand jury report, but as it stands, they're probably not going anywhere. Some of these bills have already been referred to the Senate Environmental Resources and Energy Committee. The chair of that committee, Republican Senator Gene Yacht, pretty much dismissed the bills in a statement. He said Pennsylvania's standards are among the most protective in the nation, and that the legislation is an attempt to drive the natural gas industry out of the state. This week, you also covered a proposal regarding regulations for conventional wells. What's that about? Yeah, so conventional wells got caught up in the Marcellus Shale gas rush. And so conventional wells are shallower. They are usually smaller companies, family-owned companies. They don't drill as deeply into the Earth's surface to reach deposits of oil and natural gas as opposed to unconventional drillers, which is what we're talking about when we think about the Marcellus Shale. They use hydraulic fracturing to reach really deep deposits of natural gas underground. So when the Marcellus Shale came in, 
we pass new laws here in Pennsylvania to try to govern that industry and pass new regulations. The conventional drillers got caught up in that. And there's been this discussion over how to separate the standards for these industries pretty much since 2012 when Act 13 passed, which governs the new industry. Um, And since 2016, the Wolf administration and the legislature have had an agreement that these industries should be treated differently, but they still haven't come to an agreement on how exactly they should be treated differently. And so this is another attempt to carve out new standards for the conventional industry. There is still a lot of disagreement. This current bill would raise the amount that conventional drillers could spill of either oil or wastewater without telling the state about it. They could also use wastewater to suppress dusts on roads, which opponents say is dangerous because that wastewater can contain radioactive elements. Governor Tom Wolf's office says he's opposed to it as it stands right now. Rachel, thanks so much for your reporting. Thank you, Liz. We'll be back with one more story after another quick break. Have you heard? Concerts are coming back. And WYEP has just the resource you need to stay in the know about upcoming shows. Our concert calendar. Learn when your favorite touring act is coming to town or how to see the Pittsburgh artists you've been missing at wyep.org slash concerts. Finally, today we'll look at a state house proposal that would make it easier for land banks to revitalize main streets across Pennsylvania. WESA's Margaret J. Krauss is here to explain it. Hi, Margaret. Hello, Liz. First of all, can you remind us what land banks are? Sure. Land banks are special agencies that have priority to buy certain kinds of land, and then they have special powers, which sounds magical, but just legally have special powers, to clean that land of legal tangles and then get it back on the tax rolls. So what's getting in the way of them helping to clean up main streets? So there are brownfields across the United States and across Pennsylvania. And brownfields are places that have had an industrial use that in some way negatively affected that land. And normally we think about brownfields as these big sprawling sites that used to have a steel mill or a tannery or something large. and and Right, right. I think of like Hazelwood Green, for example. Sure, which was a big J&L steel mill. But there are these much smaller neighborhood-sized brownfields, like uh, an auto body shop or a gas station or a dry cleaner that has been either abandoned or is no longer in use. And you, you might think like, oh, I'll just buy that commercial space and making something cool out of it. But there are all these environmental obligations to ensure that in the future, this land doesn't harm anybody. And whoever takes hold of that land is liable for that harm that was done in the past. So the thing is, is that land banks are not protected from being sued for that past environmental harm if they take control of that land. Whereas, say, the Urban Redevelopment Authority is protected. Like, you can't sue the Urban Redevelopment Authority for a piece of land they now own that was harmed by a steel mill. They still have to help the future buyer, you know, figure out how to clean it up, but they are not liable for that past harm. And so land banks, they're not listed in that law. And so there's this gray area where land banks are concerned they would be opened up for litigation um, as well as cost if they were to get hold of some of these neighborhood size scale commercial sites. Okay, so when a land bank is looking at 
you know, property, it could scoop up and, and clean the titles on and get back to productive use. They're like, no, no, not the dry cleaners, not the old old gas station, for example. So, so what would this bill do then? So the bill is actually, a, it has a pretty simple change in it. It basically says, like, in addition to these people who are held harmless, we're going to add land banks. And so it just means that Land banks know for sure, no question, if they take control of a former brownfield site in a neighborhood, which is like the scale they're best at working at, they're not going to be sued. And that they can work with the state or with the feds, depending on what the situation is, and any potential future buyer to figure out a plan and get that site ready to roll back into production. Okay, so this so this is just like a little tweak in, in the language of um, some state law doesn't sound super exciting, but um, proponents are excited about this. They say it would make a big impact. Why is that? Yeah, it is exciting because all across Pennsylvania, whether it's southwest, northwest, central, eastern, there are these main streets where there are just empty storefronts because of deindustrialization, because of population shifts. They're just not places people are inhabiting or using anymore. And they could be. It's just that they're so intense to do because there are these environmental obligations. There's this question of like, am I going to get sued if I take control of this land? That they're not done. And so unless an agency like a land bank comes along and says, hey, we're going to get started on this tough project, they're just going to continue to sit vacant. And studies have shown that vacant or blighted properties, no matter how great the area may be around it or how desirable, they tend to drag down both values and the perception of a place. And that doesn't need to be the case. You know, these places could be places where people live and work and play and enjoy the sort of bustling main streets that that they once did, maybe not to the same level. But it's just this little change allows land banks to get into neighborhoods and help take care of these sites no one else is going to do. So this bill was introduced by Democratic State Representative Austin Davis. Are there other supporters in the legislature? Yeah, in fact, it was actually, it sailed through last session, but when it got to the state Senate, it was sort of gutted to become a vehicle for something totally unrelated. So it was a little bit of a technicality that it didn't pass last year. So it was reintroduced this session. There was just a vote in committee where everyone was for it. And so now it will go to a House vote. And the thinking, Representative Davis seems to think like as long as it's not sort of co-opted for some other purpose in the Senate, it should do all right. So there's there's significant hope, really, that this session it's going to pass and that last session was just a little bit of a, a little bit of a hiccup. Thanks for your reporting, Margaret. Thanks, Liz. That's our show for this week. Pittsburgh Explainer is produced by Katie Blackley. Our editor is Lucy Perkins. Thanks for listening. Let's talk next week. 